Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. I have the privilege today of talking with uh, a husband and wife team, Craig and Medine Keener. Craig Keener is uh, the F.M. and Ada Thompson Professor of Biblical Studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. Medine, who holds a Ph.D. from the University of Paris, is the coordinator for pastoral care and formation of ministry at Asbury. So welcome both of you to the Beeson Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Now, we ha- had the privilege of having you, Craig, here at Beeson to bring our Biblical Studies lectures a few years ago. We've not met Medine. I haven't met Medine. Uh, not yet. <laughs> but I hope in the future we can correct that and have yeah. you both come to, to Beeson. But you all have written a book, which is really the story of your life and your love and your marriage, and it's just a compelling story. I read it last night, and I couldn't put it down. It's just an amazing book. It's called Impossible Love, The True Story of an African Civil War, Miracles, and Hope Against All Odds. So what we want to do on this podcast is really just have you give us a a capsulated form of your story. So maybe we could begin by asking each of you to tell a little bit about your background, where you came from, and how you came to faith in Christ. I was an atheist before. I was unchurched, and some people shared Christ with me on the street, and according to you know everything you learn, they did everything wrong. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit works through the gospel. I mean, they did give me the gospel. That was the important thing. And the Holy Spirit worked me over, and later that afternoon, through that encounter with Christ himself, I became a believer. And then after that, I, I didn't want anybody else to suffer the same thing I had suffered, not knowing about about who Jesus was. And so I started sharing Christ in the streets and was leading a lot of people to Christ in the street. Now, where were you, were you living, Craig, at that time? I was in Ohio, mm-hmm. a small town in Ohio. And later you became a student at a Bible college, I think, in, is it Missouri? You have a good memory. <laughs> um, yeah, I became a student at a Bible college. I was helping out in a street mission, uh, and... Yeah, there were a few times I would get beaten for my for my witness, but but also when I was in Bible college, uh, I actually left this part out of the book. I figured people would maybe figure it out, but I really got turned on to exegesis, and uh, I, I I learned how to hear God's voice just in prayer. But I, I would sometimes I would go to class and the and the professor would say something that the Holy Spirit had told me in prayer like a week before, and I was like, wow, he can hear the same thing through exegeting the Bible. (laughs) So I got turned on to exegesis, and and now I'm a Bible professor. Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn to Medina in a minute, but just in case there's possibly somebody listening on the Beeson podcast halfway around the world maybe who's never heard of Craig Keener, I want people to know that I'm speaking here to one of the leading biblical scholars of our time, 
Uh, Your IVP Bible background commentary on the New Testament sold over half a million copies. Tremendous work. You've written commentaries on Matthew, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Revelation, John, Acts, on and on and on. I mean, we could easily spend the whole podcast just talking about that. That's not the theme of this podcast, but I don't want people to go away uh, not being aware of that. So you, you're a world-class biblical scholar, a great exegete of Scripture. Uh, but you know what else is funny? You, you, you know Jesus Christ, and you believe in him, and, and you've given your life to serving him and serving other people in his name, and God has done wonderful things through both of you. So uh, let me go to Medine now. Tell us a little bit okay. about, about your background. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. My father and my mother were believers when they got married. And so um, I grew up knowing about Jesus, about God, um, knowing that we are saved only through him. But that's all it was for me until I was a teenager. I knew about God. Um, God worked miracles in my life. Um, I was healed as a child, um, having an an illness that was really, uh, we were far from medical help and so on. But when I was 15, I realized that I lived in fear, fear of dead people, fear of the dark, a lot of fear. And there was something I did not have. I could see my parents had something, some some peace, um, joy. I didn't have that. So I realized that I could not know God through my parents. I I don't know how to put it, but I could not be a grandchild. I needed to have a personal relationship with God. And this happened, I was reading a book that was, well, like a booklet that was produced by missionaries in South Africa. And he talked about the human heart, uh, what sin is, and how we can have um, salvation through Christ. After I read that book, I gave my life to Christ, and it made a difference. I've never regretted that. <laughs> wow. Now, yeah. and the story of how you your faith in Jesus Christ sustained you through incredibly difficult experiences, that's a part of your story. Um, mm. I, I think it would be good for our listeners to know how the first uh, how the the two of you first met, and then maybe um, you, uh, Medine, could say something about the civil war in Congo in which you and your family were involved. But how did sure. the, how did the two of you first meet? It was through University Christian Fellowship. Uh, I was doing my PhD at Duke University at the time, and Medine was doing her PhD at University of Paris Seven, and she was an exchange student because mm-hmm. she was studying. African-American history, so she came over to study us. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, oh. and I'm still studying you. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I like that. Uh, but then then we were, um, you know, we were friends, and I was really impressed because I'd share Christ with somebody on campus, and they'd say, "Oh, Medine Musunga told me the same thing," you know. So I knew she was she was fired up. She was just so full of joy and. Yeah, I really, I, I was looking for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship because I was a part of the same organization, but in Francophone Africa and in France, it was called, it is called GBU, um, like uh, a group for, a Bible group for students. So I was very happy to discover that they had that, and I went to 
And I was involved into the undergraduate one, but I'm glad I went to that graduate meeting that first day because Craig was the one speaking, and that's how it started. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't go over too well, though. Yeah, but we cleared the misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> in, in reading the story of your love and eventually your marriage, you know, there's a lot of stop and go, go back, go forward, stop this, start that. I mean, it's kind of zigzaggy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so take us from your meeting at Duke now, maybe Medin, and and you you eventually you're back in your home country. You're uh, I think at, at one point living with your parents at that time and the war. Uh, tell us about the war. We hear a lot about civil wars all over the world, and we know in particular Congo uh, was the site of a great genocide, right? Yeah. Um, usually when people talk about Congo in the U.S., they refer to the big Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And it's true that there was war there, genocide was going, and I think it's still going in some parts in a small measure. But I am from the Republic of Congo that was colonized by French, and we were also going through war. A lot of people died, even though it's a small country. And actually, it's because it's a small country that when you look at the people who died, it's just too much, considering the size of the country. But anyway, um, the war in Congo, Brazzaville, was caused by many... Well, I think there are many reasons. There were international reasons, political issues between Congo and France, and we had issues with the oil, the rich, the richness of the country that God has given us. But there was also just um, a civil component, the North against the South, fighting for the control of the country. And I think there was a lot of corruption, things going on. Anyway, we found ourselves uh, in this battle between the northern police or soldiers um, and the southern militias, and they were fighting. A lot of people during that time, whether they were from the north or from the south, they were just like us, innocent victim of a war we didn't even ask. So life was basically survival. We did not have the bare necessities of life, things like soap, or food that you eat every day. We ate once a day. Um, salt. There was a time we didn't even have salt. The food tasted horrible. Uh, <laughs> all the things that we take for granted. And I, I have to remind myself that, oh, this morning I have bread uh, and hot chocolate. What a blessing. Because those are things that we lacked. So life was really hard. Um, and we were most of the time running because... Uh, we had to move forward as the fight or the battle was coming near to where we were. So we had to always be in the move. That was very difficult. Tell about the time when you were escaping the violence and your your father's medicine had been left at home. Uh, t tell about that experience. Yeah, I, I will always remember that morning when uh, there was shooting and fighting and everything. My, I have three brothers. My first brother was in a place where there was, was no war. War never came there. My second brother was with us, but was almost shot the night before, so he had to run. And then my third brother was visiting a friend. So God used my father's nephew to come and help us get out of the house and run for our lives. 
As we were going, my dad's nephew was pushing him on a wheelbarrow. We came to a place where we realized, my mom realized, that we have left all of my dad's medicine on the table and a little bit of money. So we started to talk. My mom was like, I should go back. I left the medicine. I should go back. Uh, my sister was like, no, you shouldn't go back. You are old and something can happen. Um, and I told my sister, no, you cannot go back. You just had surgery. I have a child and maybe people wouldn't think twice about raping a woman with a, a child on the back and so on. But finally, my father spoke and he said, you know, we all know that those who went back for medicine or food or whatever, most of them died. I would not let someone die for me. We are going forward. If it's time for me to go to, the, to be with the Lord, I will gladly go. If not, God will watch over me and will bring us all back. So we decided to go, and God watched over us. All of us, including my dad, we came outside. After the war, we all came back. Wonderful. That's a great story. Now, Craig, you pick, pick up the story of your relationship with Medine, how, how, how things develop from there, because there's a lot of brokenness in both of your marriages. When you were married, you, you, you both were the products of previous broken marriages. And I think that's a very important part of your story. Can you say a little bit about, about that and how eventually the two of you came together? Sure. Um, in terms of my broken marriage, it was actually before I went to Duke. Um, I'd been married to a Bible college classmate, and we were we were together about three and a half years when one day she told me she was thinking of turning away from the Lord because life was was too hard. We were poor, working our way through school, and and she uh, within a month or two after that, I found out that she was having an affair with her her best friend's husband, and the Lord did a lot of things, so gave a lot of opportunities for her to turn back, but in any case, I was just so devastated. I'd been praying for a couple hours a day before that happened, but at this point, all I could do was just utter the name of Jesus over and over. I was I was just so broken, and uh, she she eventually filed for divorce because she wanted to, to marry the guy. He had divorced his wife, and left his kids. And so um, I fought the divorce for a couple of years, hoping that she would come back, but she didn't come back. So at the time Medine first met me, I was pretty broken. And although I was attracted to Medine, I was not, I was not, uh, I, I wasn't really ready to risk another relationship. And Medine, tell about your, your marriage and what happened that well, mine was completely different. I got married to somebody who was actually already married without me knowing. And I discovered as we went, it was a very short period, like six months of marriage. I discovered that he had other kids. And into the marriage, like a couple months into the marriage, he became abusive verbally to begin with and physically after that. I also realized or discovered that he was into a cult where they, he said, we are going to pray to the great master of the universe. And I had to stand up to him and say, you know what? When I met you, I prayed to Jesus and they will only be Jesus in my life. So it created a lot of problems. And when war came, 
when we were trying to find safety. I was pregnant at that time, running for my life the first time of uh, war in Brazzaville. Um, he left, and my friend saw him going back to his first wife. Even though when we when we married, he said it's a monogamous marriage and so on, because in Congo, you can be polygamous or monogamous, and they will ask you. So that was really a lie. And when war, when war came, when I was at my parents' house, when we ran away, I heard that, you know, he came and had some, I guess, some political responsibilities and things like that and did not really care. So at the end, I went to the pastor who married us. I said, well, this man is living his life. He had a previous wife. He has other affairs here and there. I am not ready to go and get aid or something like that. I think that it's time to stop this. And he said, well, yeah, the Lord showed me that it was not what he had for you. I said, you should have told me that before. But anyway, <laughs> that's how things ended for me. Yes. It was a very difficult, very difficult time. You know, the title of your book here, Impossible Love, is so apt you know, when I read your, your story, uh, the trauma through which both of you have gone in different ways, of course, uh, different cultures that you represent, uh, the, the text in the Bible that, that came to my mind is uh, the book of Amos about the locusts that eat the fields and leave them, you know, completely devastated. And what are you going to do about the years that the locusts have consumed and eaten up? Is there a way forward? Is will the roses bloom again? Is there hope? And your your book is a wonderful testimony to the fact that God can redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. And I wish you'd just tell us a little bit about how all that came to be consummated in your coming together as husband and wife. Craig, <laughs> I mean, we both were very fond of each other. We'd both been praying for years that God would give the other one the right spouse, but. Neither of us, well, at least actually, Nadine thought that I was a future husband, but I was more stubborn, I guess. <laughs> Not, I guess. I had insisted that, you know, because of what I'd been through the first time, my my wife, if I married again, it needed to be somebody who shared the same commitment to ministry, which my first wife had said she did. But So I, so I asked Nadine if she was called to ministry. <laughs> this was before the war. And she said no. And that's what I looked at. I didn't look at the fact that her letter went on to say, but I'm... I'm doing open-air evangelism. I'm doing door-to-door evangelism. I'm uh, on the leadership team of a church that I helped plant, you know, and, and all this stuff. I skipped ahead to the end of the letter, and, and somehow I missed that. And so she was, like, really disappointed. Like, she had felt like God was in it, but then, you know, eventually she had to give up. She called it an impossible love. <laughs> it's true. Maybe it's also the different—I I was thinking about the fact that our cultures were very different— I mean, people talk about warm cultures, hot cultures, and cold cultures. If I compare, I'll say I'm from a very hot culture, and Craig is from a very cold culture. At least he's he's family's culture, so he's very, uh, how would I say that? If you come to me, like me as a Congolese, you ask me a question, like, oh, would would you like to have this drink? Even if I don't like it, I might say yes. 
inside, actually. It's like, no. But anyway, if you ask Craig, Craig will tell you the truth. He will just go and say, yeah, no, I don't want it. No, thank you. So uh, we have that, actually, we've had that, you know, marriage where culturally we had to navigate a lot of things. But that question that Craig asked me, actually, it was just a misunderstanding. For me, ministry, uh, well, I thought about being a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. I did not see what I was doing as ministry. I saw it just as being a child of God and loving God and loving people. So I said, no, <laughs> I didn't know I was selling my life to something that I didn't want to anyway. <laughs> now, your, your marriage is uh, interracial, it's intercultural, it's intercontinental, Africa and America. H- how, do you, how do you bridge those chasms in a way that what comes out of this is holistic and beautiful for God? like when you have um, people with different genetic makeup, the the offspring can actually, you know, have a much healthier immune system and so on. It's just, you, you bring together the diversity and it's beautiful. However, bringing it together is sometimes tricky, as we can attest. For example, uh, well, this is our favorite example. Uh, when, we, when we first got married, I would say, je t'aime, I love you. And Nadine would say, thank you. not i love you too but thank you (laughs) yeah in in my culture you know the what i was expecting her to say was i love you too i was normal yeah in her culture you just say thank you and then (laughs) so she she wondered why i would always walk away sad after she would say thank you and and this went on for maybe a year or so Mm -hmm. until there was another intercultural couple um person from the U.S. married to a, a white South African who explained to us, no, uh, we went through that too. This is the difference in cultures in terms of how it's expressed. Yeah. And and talking about, the, you know, hot culture versus cold culture, the way we express ourselves sometimes is very different. And so what we do, we talk a lot. Because if we don't talk, then we stay into the misunderstandings. But talking and praying helps us to kind of clarify what we really mean and uh, get an understanding and move from there. So it is it is a beautiful thing to see when, you know, the understanding is there. And I mean, I live in the U.S., so I understand a little bit more of the culture here. But Craig has come to Africa multiple times and some of the things he he is learning, he's understanding and so we understand each other as we express what's going on inside us, what it means, what we really mean when we say this or we say that. It helps, you know, being every day in a cross cultural relationship, it helps you understand better cross cultural dynamics for for other kinds of settings as well. Yeah. And and when you do your exegesis of the Bible, you're, you know, you, you don't automatically read it through the lens of your own culture. You start thinking about the different possible ways that it could have been meant. I have one more question for you. Um, throughout, throughout the book, both of you uh, repeatedly talk about, uh, I would call it the active presence of God in your life, in miracles, in visions, in dreams, in prophecies that come to you through other people. 
uh, that's just an important part of both of your spiritual journeys, I would say. And I, I wish you would say a word about that and, and also speak to people, Christian believers, your brothers and sisters in the Lord, who may not have experienced God in that way or even may be skeptical about it. What would you say to them? Okay, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we're not really the heroes of the book. We're a couple broken people that God yeah. was putting back together. But the, the real hero of the book is the Lord himself. Mm-hmm. And he's the real hero of the Bible, too. I mean, he does he does wonderful and often very unexpected things. But, like, some of these things are more common in some parts of the world and at some times in history than at others. Nadine had three different people independently who didn't know each other. One of them, even in the uh, when they were, you know, fleeing in the forest, three different people independently prophesied to her that her future husband would be a white man with a big ministry. Well, there aren't a lot of white people in Congo. You know, know, very odd kind of prophecy, but, or or like somebody had prophesied that war was coming to her town on January 25th. And so they needed to, uh, to try to get out before then. Well, they weren't able to, but sure enough, war came on January 25th. Mm -hmm. So there were some very accurate prophecies like that. Her sister when she was a baby, was bitten by a snake. You know, there, there was no medical help available in the village for three hours. She wasn't breathing uh, as her mother was was running to get to another village where a family friend was who was doing ministry, and he prayed. Therese started breathing. The next day, she was fine. Uh, so th- there were miracles, but it has to be kept in the perspective that there were also a lot of sufferings. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep the whole story in mind that it's the same. I mean, in the Gospels, you see Jesus doing miracles as a foretaste of the kingdom. But you also, I mean, the the greatest sign of God's heart there in the Gospels is the cross, because there we see the depth of God's love for us. And we also see that even in the midst of brokenness, Mm -hmm. in the midst of injustice, God is still at work to bring about his purposes. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just going to add the fact that we didn't have anything else. I mean, we didn't have medication, we didn't have counselors, we didn't have anything. We only had God. So, I mean, when I saw people, people, most of the time we were sick with malaria or dysentery, yellow fever and so on. People would get maybe one injection or one pill here and there. It would not have cured, you know, those who were sick. But I think it's God's grace. And for me, those are miracles because I I get one injection. You're supposed to get five or six to be cured completely of malaria. But somebody has a dream and say, oh, I, I had a dream. The Lord said, wake up and pray for Jacques Musunga's daughter, Medine. She's sick. And I've been praying for you. And then, well, after a few days, I am I am well. I don't think it was. The injection, maybe the Lord used part of it, but all the the rest, like the 95% of the medication that I needed, God supplied and just healed me, for example. Wonderful. Your your story is uh, not only about the great love that God has given you for one another, impossible love, 
that has become a reality, but it's also about redemption, how God can take the broken pieces of our life and bring them together in a way that they become a beautiful mosaic to bring honor and glory to him. So thank you both for writing this book and for sharing this part of your life. I know it's going to be a blessing to everybody who reads it. Thank you. And I want to encourage all of our Beeson podcast listeners all around the world to get a copy of this book. You can order it, I'm sure, on Amazon.com. It's published by Chosen Books. It's called Impossible Love, The True Story of an African Civil War, Miracles, and Hope Against All Odds, written by Dr. Craig S. Keener and his wife, Dr. Medine Usonga Keener. Thank you both so much for this conversation. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.